Good morning. It's morning huddle time. Chad Prinky here, as always, along with my good friend, producer, co-host extraordinaire. Uh, uh, <laughs> hey, um, how do you want us to install this uh, water heater? And my coworker's like, I don't know, install the water heater. Like, why are you even asking me? He's like, well, I don't know if you know, but did what you designed, it can't physically fit through the front door <laughs> of this building. My class is only 40 minutes. So we have to get this done in 40 right? minutes. You have to clean up in 40 minutes. And then it also, when you use the miter saw, a lot of kids are scared of the miter saw and you just see the difference in their confidence when they come in here compared to when they when they leave, it, they're excited. We'll be announcing a new county that's gonna join us in Maryland. So we continue to spread it. And I'll say my peers across the country are starting to take this and adopt this at their local IEC chapters. Either um, AI assistant tools, you have AI master builder tools, and then you have um, kind of a bit of both that are one foot in BIM in current processes and one foot in AI. Said Brett, in life, opportunity meets you at your level of preparation. She said, here's the keys, go forth and do great things. It's morning huddle time, Stacy. How are you this morning? Chad Prinky here with Stacy Holzinger. How are you, Stacy? I'm doing good. It's cold here. We got it four inches where we're at. So mind-boggling four inches. <laughs> I was I was well, talking to. A, too, it's been a while. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, I, it's 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 for me so nice to have some winter weather in winter, which we've been missing for the two past two years. I know. In the in at least in in the mid Atlantic, it depends on where you are in the country, right? But but here. I know in certain swaths of the East Coast, it's been very little uh, you, you know, winter weather over the past couple of years. One of my longest uh, standing and, and closest relationships is a contractor that bases a lot of their business on snow removal. Mm -hmm. It's been brutal. Past yeah. two years has been brutal. I so yeah, I was texting with one of the guys last night. I was like, hey, man, let it snow. And he goes, it can't snow enough. Just keep going. <laughs> Just keep going. Yeah. Uh, for, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, really, really good for, really good for business. Uh, really pretty. I enjoy it. So. But uh, in Maryland, they still have to sign the contracts just to prepare for just in case for the year, right? Is that. Yeah. So that it, it depends on, it depends on like the, uh, the type of, uh, contract. So there are some contracts where, uh, like I, I know a lot of municipal contracts where they'd sign, like you said, just in case where they're signing a basically like a guaranteed amount so that they have this focused on call kind of snow removal service. Then there's a whole there that you can also sign up for as needed snow mm -hmm. removal. So I was talking to somebody yesterday, business owner that has a property that, you know, has a, a lot of parking lot. And he said, I think last year I wrote a grand total of a thousand bucks for mm -hmm. snow removal, you know? <laughs> and so, it, it, you know, he has an option that, you know, in, in, in a year where we get nailed with snow, maybe he ends up writing, $110,000 for, you know, for snow removal. And he could maybe write a flat check for 60,000 that never changes. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Right. There's those, those kinds of options. And um, in that business, it's a, it's a fascinating gig and a lot of contractors I know rely on, you know, uh, throwing those, you know, uh, uh, plows on the front of the trucks and, and using their machines that they're normally using for excavation or whatever else to, to, you know, move snow. It's a great way to 
turn it into money. And I hope that uh, we have a lot of listeners who who are catching this on recording instead of live because they're out there moving the snow. So that'd be a, I know. Be a good, that'd be a good thing for business um, uh, overall. So we've got, uh, you know, uh, four inches of snow here. I don't know what the weather is like in Kentucky, but I do know that today's guest has not made it on the show. And that's, I, I was thought with Stacy and I are really stressing. We're like starting late. We're, oh man, we're try, trying to give Scott some time uh, to make it on. He's a really smart guy. He's got a really, he's got a ton to add. And, uh, you know, I, I, Stacey's like, this sucks. What's going to happen? I said, you know what? In 64 episodes, it's never happened once. It was bound to happen, Stacey. And you had a great prep call with him. So I hope he's okay. I mean, there's I probably a tongue going on across the country with this weather. I, whether it's weather or whether it's life or whether it's yeah. just human error, either way, Scott's a good guy. We, uh, we, we'll, we'll cut Scott some slack, uh, even though he's not going to be here today to talk about construction scheduling. I do want to pass along some of the thoughts that uh, he and I were talking about just at the outset. And then, Stacy, if it's cool with you, I'd like to just ha have more of like a Stacy and Chad discussion. Uh, for the sure. remainder of the show, which could get really weird. <laughs> it gets strange. Um, so, uh, so I'm gonna, but but I, but first, I will. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the ideas that that Scott and I were were batting around. So, the I, the the big question about construction scheduling is when is construction scheduling just an exercise? And, and I think uh, a lot of the trade contractors that I work with uh, have somebody who's a scheduling consultant that when do they call the scheduling consultant? It's when they have to prove a point. It's when mm -hmm. they have to try to you know, secure a delay claim. It's when they have to try to you know, convince their, their customer that, um, uh, that they're off schedule. And... The is it explaining the why they're off schedule? Yeah, it's explaining right. the why they're off schedule, and it's having somebody, it's having a professional put together something really, you know, um, convincing, really, <laughs> you know, that, that prove that proves a point that says, you know, hey, this is what we should have been doing, and this is what you did to us, and this is how that has cost ramifications, cost impacts, and this is why we're passing along a delay claim, um, and uh, you know, making sure that they get paid for it. And I'm not suggesting that that's. I'm not suggesting at all that that is um, inappropriate or not not the um, not a reasonable business decision when mm -hmm. you when you need to. But I think what Scott would be saying if he were with us, and, and what and what I believe as well, is that scheduling shouldn't be something that you're just doing to, when things have gotten sideways. But you really should be taking a systematic extremely thorough approach to scheduling from the outset and, and doing an awesome job communicating your schedule to your customer, whether you're a trade contractor or a general contractor, communicating your schedule to your customer and making sure way before anything has gotten off track, people understand all the things that need to happen to keep the job on track. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, so if I say to you, Stacey, um, okay, I'm planning to do A, then B, then see, this is how I'm going to do it. These are the different things that need to be in place for me to do it. Now, Stacy, as my customer, I can't start B until you've got X, Y, and Z completed. If you don't have X, Y, and Z completed, I cannot start phase B. So please let me know 
when you have X, Y, and Z completed. Otherwise, I'm not going to be mobilizing to start B. And if just as a side note, if we can't mobilize a start B by April, here's what that does to my manpower. And we've got to go here and we've got to go there just so that you're aware up front. These are the kinds of conversations that nobody's having. Right. Uh, that people aren't having thoroughly enough because everybody's too busy. Everybody's way too busy to have these types of conversations. But the truth is, if they slow down, like I probably shouldn't talking right now, if they slowed down and have these conversations up front as a habit, mm -hmm. it'd actually be a little bit less busy putting out fires that could have been prevented with thorough planning. Right. How often are people meeting? I know they pre uh, prepare like the two week, three week look ahead. Do you know how so that there's a difference between um, this uh, the, the 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 term CPM schedule uh, is is a is a you know kind of like and our our good friend Mark Drury actually is is somebody who uh, could talk about this until um, the cows come home. He, Mark and I could could. Uh, if we just pull Mark on right now, we can talk to him about this for about two hours. But, um, you, you know, the, the CPM schedule is the critical path schedule. And the critical path is the, the whole picture that shows, you know, essentially what the um, benchmarks, the milestones are along the way and how a job must flow if it's going to uh, meet end schedule. So there are certain aspects of construction that are on the quote unquote critical path. And there are other aspects of construction that are oftentimes not on the critical path. So for example, like we've got to have all of the concrete poured uh, for, you know, all the foundation in place uh, for uh, any of the conduit to be running uh, into the building. I can't run my conduit into the building until there's actually a foundation to run my conduit into. So that foundation is on the critical path. But where, where on the other side, maybe sidewalks, for example, is something, you know, or, or, or in general site concrete may not be on the critical path until, you know, very end of the schedule, if at all. So because they don't really impact uh, other trades, you know, coming in to do their thing. Point is this, there's this broad CPM schedule that uh, um, is, I think, uh, in too many cases, BS. It's not a real schedule. People mm -hmm. aren't actually managing it. They're not actually living on that schedule. And instead, what starts to happen is everybody just falls into this two-week look-ahead, three-week look-ahead pattern. Mm-hmm. And imagine this happens, right? Like we we start at the beginning, Stacey, and we say, hey, we're going to finish this by December. And here's the critical path to do that. At the beginning, we build this really beautiful plan. Right. That's scheduling, right? And it's good. And, and, and GCs do that at the outset. Most trade contractors should, most don't honestly do it at that level at the outset, which is crazy to me. Um, but they should do that at the outset. But then I, I no, notice I repeat this term outset. What ends up happening is they don't, they don't stick to it. So now all we do is we get together and we talk about two weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. And it seems like a really good concept. But if we don't put two weeks at a time in context with the CPM schedule, we're going to find that we're not done in December. We're, we're going to find that we're done in March. So we're not looking at the big picture enough. Correct. Yeah. And we're not also being honest about the about the real big picture and the impacts that that's having to everybody 
performing the work. So it, it, does that make sense? So like I, I was planning as a trade contractor, I was planning to be out here on this job. I priced it to be out here on this job for one mobilization, in other words, one time getting all my manpower out on that job. Mm -hmm. And I was planning to be out on this job for six weeks, one mobilization, six weeks. That's how I priced it. And I, I priced it that way to be aggressive, to make sure that I could both, you know, meet your budget expectations as the customer and make some money because I have to, otherwise, what the hell am I doing in business mm -hmm. as, as a business owner? And so I priced it that way. Now you as the customer have said, well, we're going to do this piece and then we're going to have you back later. So now that's not one mobilization, that's two mobilizations. And now not only are you saying I'm going to have you come back later, but when I come back later, it's not ready. Mm -hmm. So not only do I mobilize a second time, but I actually have to pull all my guys off the job again and come back to you when it's actually ready. And all said, I didn't spend six weeks on the project. I spent 11 weeks on the project. And the point is this, we all need to be more honest with each other through that whole process about cost impacts when, uh, when you do that. Mm -hmm. And we need to do a way better job of actually managing the critical path, mm -hmm. right? And making sure that things stay on track so that we don't end up breaking uh, the original plan. That's the message. And, and, I, and, and you know, Scott has a whole bunch of, um, you know, one of the things that we talked about. You mentioned is, anything about unforeseen conditions and how that affects the schedule and how to better communicate, you know, when things get interrupted and you don't see them coming once you get started with the construction process? Yeah, I think that goes to, I think that goes to two different things. One is contingency planning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there's always like we, you can, unforeseen conditions is always a funny topic for me. Um, I do a lot of project partnering where I over, I, I, I work with project teams with the owner and the general contractor and the trade contracting community and the architect and the design community, like all that stuff. I'll get like 30 people in a room mm -hmm. and, uh, and at the outset of a project and talk about relationship and, and trust and all that, but I'll also talk about the project mm -hmm. and make sure everybody's, you know, you know, talking about and unforeseen conditions always cracks me up because it's like they're unforeseen conditions, but we we kind of know where they're going to happen if if they're going to happen. Uh, the most common place for it to happen is in in the dirt. You know, it's in the site work on a base building project because you don't know. Oftentimes, you don't know what you're going to find until you start digging. So, do you uh, have some time in your schedule for unforeseen? Okay. Yeah, so that's called float. The 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 the, the um, uh, so you have the critical path. And we're starting today and we're supposed to finish in December. And if we're smart, we're going to build in some float, but not just generalized float. Like, let's just add 20% float. But we're going to float is basically the wiggle room where mm -hmm. we can, where we can go off of the critical path. And if we can uh, build in float for, for in particular around the site, for example, and then maybe uh, on long lead time items like a switch gear, we might be building in a little bit of float for what happens if uh, the this the switch gear gets delayed, or what happens if we can't get you know key components of the building in place in time. So now that that real CPM schedule that goes through December included a little bit of reasonable uh, float wiggle room based on foreseeable unforeseen mm -hmm. conditions. <laughs> Does that it's, make sense? Yeah, is float determined based on each trade? Like, does the mechanical trade give a different timeline for float as the electrical contractor, or is it just in general of the entire project? 
So I'm not uh, a scheduling professional, <laughs> uh, Stacy. Even though I, I, I have this way of sounding really confident about shit. I have no business sounding confident <laughs> about. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm not a scheduling professional. But I, uh, I'll just tell, I'll share with you what I've seen and heard. Okay. And and not and I'm not, and not necessarily like what's right or wrong. Right. I have heard people talk about evaluating the uh, foreseeable challenges trade by trade mm -hmm. on a particular project, the specifics about that project. Hey, it's a tight site. It's going to be very difficult for us to get the large uh, equipment in. And we may have some challenges with that. This, you know, uh, mechanical schedule that we have for 340 days, we should probably build in some float into the mechanical schedule as we navigate getting equipment into this building and, you know, getting permits from the city to shut down streets when we have to, you know, put massive rooftop units on this or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Um, I've heard people talk about that being the, the most scientific way to create mm -hmm. that. But I also believe that from an owner's perspective, if I'm an owner, you know, look, man, I told you I wanted it done by December figure it out is a part of the answer too. Right. So I've you, heard that. Yes. <laughs> right. And, and so um, I think it's always a balancing act, but uh, to the extent possible, what I try to do, and I, now I, I'll speak to stuff I can actually, you know, I'm an expert in, <laughs> or at least to some degree, uh, what I try to do is pull the, the owner together with the GC with the design community, with the trade contracting community to have honest conversations together so that the owner isn't sitting on a perch demanding things that aren't possible right. from a general contractor who then passes those unreasonable demands down to the subcontracting community who then in turn are angry at and potentially go to war with this general contractor and that bubbles back up to problems for yeah. the owner. Nobody wins in that right. scenario. So I think I think bringing it back to the concept of scheduling and how scheduling helps with all of that, it really is just an exercise in brutal honesty with each other if we're doing it right, both from the start and all the way through construction. And there should be accountability. Everybody is so focused on making sure they don't end up holding the financial bag. And you know what? Sometimes, dude, you got to own the financial bag. It's your problem and you're not going to make money on this job or you should be losing money on this job because you did screw it up. And, and I think if everybody stays so focused on protecting themselves, it's where it creates the dishonesty in the system. Right. Yeah. Dennis had a comment here. I'll read it. Um, <clears throat> where we have problems is the P6 schedule is the baseline and subcontract contracts. When the project starts, we do pull planning and sometimes it can pull the projects to the left. The fight is always the sub stands on the P6 schedule. It's hard to get them to understand that we're not increasing the duration, just starting sooner. I, I love that. Uh, that like, so, so some subcontractors will take this to the extreme where what I'm talking about, like, Hey, you got to communicate your, your schedule expectations and make sure that the general contractor knows this is how we planned it. This is how we need to show up. And this is how we need to build it in order to be you know, financially secure. Otherwise, there's going to be cost impacts for you. Um, you know, when he's talking about P6, it's, a, it's Primavera's, uh, the, the, right. you know, the known scheduling, the top software. scheduling software in, in the market. 
And, um, you know, so the general contractor puts together this Primavera schedule, the, 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 um, the CPM schedule, the critical path schedule that I meant that, that I referenced. And, um, the thought process is, you know, Hey, if your plan was six weeks in one mobilization in March, if we're kicking ass and we happen to want you in January, that's not a cost impact to you. Mm. If we're still one mobilization in six weeks. Now, what I'd say to Dennis, uh, who, by the way, Dennis, thank you so much for being an, you know, a, a, a contributor and an ongoing um, uh, audience member. Uh, we love having you here. But uh, uh, what I'd say to Dennis is that probably the thing that's going unspoken in all of that is just the overall manpower planning status for the trade contractor, where they're like, yeah, but I'm on another job in January. And I was really planning to start this one in March. Uh, in, yeah. And, and uh, that's not Dennis's problem. That's not the general contractor's problem. But I do think if, if we can open, if we can create an environment where everybody can just be honest about those things, we can collaborate. And, mm -hmm. and Dennis can say, okay, cool. Look, I'm not going to force you to do something that you can't do in your business or that's going to blow the wheels off. But can we work on, you know, can we collaborate? Can we work on this together? Can we find a middle ground? Can I get you to get this and this started in January, which will help the press us, you know, because look, it's not my, you know, um, um, you don't get to have a, have a claim because mm -hmm. I wanted you in January instead of uh, uh, March. That's not fair. You don't get to have right. a claim for that. I don't make demands, but rather maybe suggest and give and take type of situation when things. And, yeah, that's right. And 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 my point is that if that sub is honest and says, "Look, I've got 120 field staff. Uh, I've got 90 of them committed to another job that ends at the end of January. I really can't start in the middle of January." Yeah. Uh, you know, following my plan, if he if, if that sub can just be that candid then the general contractor can easily communicate back with them and say, okay, cool. Thank you. Uh, one part of me, I'm bummed out about that. Another part of me just says like, what can we get started in the middle of January? Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and I think if that subcontractor general contractor communication is um, friendly, courteous, and also at a high enough level, right? Mm -hmm. Cause if you're having this conversation with somebody who doesn't actually get manpower decisions, Right. <laughs> They're just going to tell you no. Yeah. Um, you know, because they don't have the ability to say yes. Mm -hmm. uh, then I think what you're going to find is, you know, uh, people who are willing and actually on some level interested in uh, expediting the pro like everybody wins if we get off the job faster. Mm -hmm. That doesn't hurt anybody. It just, like I say, it, 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 that subcontractor, if they're complaining about starting sooner and, and pointing at the P6 schedule, what's probably happening is that they, they, they planned it to fit this perfect little box that started in March and you're screwing it up. I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but if the GC is ahead of the schedule, when do you bring in a scheduling consultant? Do you know? So um, this is what I was referencing at the outset, Stacy. where I think more, <laughs> what I've seen is usually when you engage a scheduling consultant, it's when things have gone sideways and you're right. trying to make a legal case. Um, and that's, and that's, all that's the wrong time to do it, in yeah. my opinion, right? Yeah. Um, I understand, and it's a smart business decision to do when you have to do it. But but my, my point is, I think, and, I, and Scott's point would be, bring in a scheduling consultant from the outset. Bring in a scheduling consultant to help to build the plan in, like I said, that brutally honest way. 
from the outset and and uh let's build something that is uh as realistic and stick toable as humanly possible but they also uh, serve as like a mediator if you know the gc and the owner and the subs all see different you know, things in the schedule and the, the consultant can kind of ground them and say, let's try this. And this I, is why or no? <laughs> I'm going to say three, I have three answers to that question. <laughs> um, one, I haven't seen it. Um, uh, two, two, I know people who say they would. And so I don't, I don't, I don't think that they wouldn't. I'm just saying I haven't seen it. Usually yeah. that's not the role they play. And three is what they, you know, more often they're in expert witness situations. Mm-hmm. Meaning, meaning it's already gone to, you know, it's already gone down the tubes and, and they're, and they're serving as expert witnesses to, you know, to, um, uh, prove one point or the other. Yeah. It's Uh, just, it's an example of, it's an example of, um, um, doing later dealing later with the mess that we could have prevented earlier. And, um, let's be clear, having an awesome schedule does not make sure that the job is perfect, but it's one aspect I think of, of having a, um, as perfect a job as you can create is having a very realistic schedule. And I think also, all right, so let's, let's put this on the table. Here's this reality, uh, that the general contractors schedule with the owner is, has a, in most contracting methods, not all, but in most delivery methods has a significant impact on what the owner, uh, I'm sorry, on what the general contractor will make. Mm-hmm. So, so um, the easiest way to describe this to the audience very quickly, and a lot of the audience is going to roll their eyes and be like, dude, we know this, but I'm still going to say it anyway, is that for a general contractor, there's this concept called general conditions and general conditions basically in, 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 in basic terms is the direct, uh, uh, resources that the general contractor has on the project, such as the superintendent, the assistant superintendent, the project manager, the assistant project manager, the project engineer, the job site trailer, the dumpsters, the, you know, all these different things that fit into this bucket of like, these are the costs we have to have to run your job. Mm-hmm. In, in many, not all, and again, I'm not going to, uh, different topic, different day where we can talk about general contract, uh, you know, delivery methods versus CM delivery methods and all the, all, all the nuances between those two things. But I'll just simply say that for a general contractor, those are their hard costs. And they have a limit to how much of those they can collect. And that limit is set by the schedule. So let's pretend like as a general contractor, my general conditions on the on a job are $100,000 a month for round numbers. I've got a schedule of 12 months. That means I've got $1.2 million of general conditions to spend on covering my own costs during the course of construction. If the job goes 15 months, I'm out 300 grand in general conditions unless I have a, a delay claim that I can prove the owner slowed me down. If, on the other hand, I can get the job done sooner by three months, mm-hmm. I get to put $300,000 of found profit in my pocket. Mm. Therefore, 
as a general contractor, it behooves me to set a schedule with my owner that is as long as possible, right? That's as long as possible uh, that I can get them to go to contract for the longest duration possible and then work my butt off to get the job done sooner than I told them I would get it done. Mm -hmm. Because that's where my profit is on the job is actually in reclaiming my general conditions and not having to spend money that I planned to spend. And I think the reality of the situation is this. Um, general contractors require the deep assistance of subs to help them to accomplish that goal. Yeah. <laughs> right. They require the assistance of subs to help them to accomplish that goal. And, and usually look both ways. There's nothing <laughs> in it for the subs. Yeah. So if there's a bunch of money in it for the general contractor and not any and nothing in it for the subs, I think a part of the game correct. I think a part of the game is how do I motivate a subcontractor right. to want to help me, you know, to uh, uh, to to uh, move faster. And um, I'll leave it at that. I, I think that's a you know again different topic, different day. We could talk about accelerating, you know, accelerating uh, subcontractors and uh, performance incentives and the. Um, substantial completion date or actual the schedule? I never. So, so it's it's uh, the CPM schedules through substantial completion. Okay. So, and then and then everything past substantial completion is. Is that like know, checking off your punch? It's mostly punch list stuff. Yeah, yeah it's mostly, and and um, you know, uh, punch <laughs> punch can be, again, my holy smokes! I think we just identified five new shows that we need to do. <laughs> We should do a whole show on punch lists, Stacey. Mm. Um, is that quality control? Is that what you're talking about there? Or are you talking about, or there's some big items that get pushed to the punch list? Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, I think I think what a part a part of what happens is like the punch list isn't a punch list. You know, when the when the punch list is, is that a gray um, area sometimes. It can be. Yeah, it can okay. be. It can be. It shouldn't be. It's not there. There's you know there there are controls in place theoretically to keep it from being, but it it oftentimes and shouldn't turns you be able it. technically to move in the building during substantial completion while the punch list is going on or now or you or you're not sure I don't know yes and it depends I mean and again this would go to me not being a full you know an, an expert and all that but I, I I know that that would vary by application there are probably some situations where you know they wouldn't move in until punch is complete it it all depends on who they is and what the circumstances are. I was just are. thinking maybe like if you had a school deadline and the kids had to be in for school, they would be okay with, you know, like minor right. stuff like pops in the wall or something. I, I, I yeah, I think, I think that's right. Okay. Though, though, uh, um, you know, schools are a, a really good example of need to be in the space mm -hmm. versus maybe let's say like a corporate, um, a corporate move where if, you're telling me it's going to be another month before you're done with your punch. I might renew my lease for, I might, I might do a one month extension yeah. on my lease in my existing space until my new space is all the way ready. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I might, I might make those decisions, but um, anyway, fun, fun discussion. And, and, and one that I really, again, you know, I thank Scott for having, uh, um, you know, uh, primed the pump for mm -hmm. some of the, some of the uh, discussion uh, today uh, genuinely wish that he had been able to be here, but, um, you know, I think that's part of it. I, I do want to, um, and I, I got knocked a little off my normal game folks. I, I did way, way more talking than I, uh, uh, normally do, but I guess, you know, 
that was uh, the way it was uh, supposed to be today. Um, <laughs> just the, the way the way uh, life happens. <laughs> yeah, the way fate has it. Uh, put yeah. it that way. Um, but I do want to take a moment to recognize uh, our sponsors and uh, and thank our sponsors for helping us to uh, spread the word and expand the audience for the morning huddle. Um, the first uh, sponsor that I'll thank is um, the the Marsh McLennan Agency. Marsh McLennan Agency is a uh, an insurance uh, agent and bonding agent uh, nationwide focused on the middle market, which I think is a, a lot of our a lot of our uh, uh, audience. And uh, and they just do a fantastic job at providing uh, a customer experience and level of expertise and uh, and strategy. So do reach out to your to your local Marsh McLennan agency uh, for that uh, support. Next is Sandy Spring Bank, which is, um, is my bank and uh, good my friends of mine. Too. It's yours, too. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's my <laughs> business bank. It's not my personal bank. I don't I, I don't. There's no do branches near me. Them. Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, they're awesome people. Uh, they definitely think like your business partner when it comes to uh, to, to your banking needs. And uh, uh, I've always found uh, that my my points of contact over there are um, uh, you know ready and willing to help. Uh, same day, hours mm -hmm. response. They're they're fantastic. Uh, next is uh, Lawrence Law. Uh, Kate Lawrence and her team focus on the construction industry. Do a great job of. Um, uh, you know, all manner of legal aspects, whether you um, or have a delay claim uh, <laughs> and you need and you need a legal representation right. um, or uh, or, you know, just your everyday contract uh, reviews. Uh, she and her team are super uh, customer focused and do a great job. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of their customers and uh, they're they're very happy uh, with Lawrence. So please reach out to Lawrence Law. And then lastly, from an accounting firm. Uh, we have Katz Abosh, which is a, um, a Baltimore, D.C. focused uh, accounting firm that does specialize in uh, the construction industry. They have a handful of people on staff that I've um, developed relationships with and can personally speak to their expertise in construction, whether, you know, you're doing succession planning or just your average sort of tax and audit um they're great with everything uh from the you know nuts and bolts to to the consulting and strategy piece uh specific for construction firms so do reach out to cat say bosh all right good stacy what do you think uh, do we have any other, uh, other questions no that's it for for that but i did want to talk about next week so i'm excited for this discussion because obviously it's my topic we're yeah. going to talk about 2024 marketing strategies you know marketing changes so frequently especially with ai and everything so we have matt graves joining us from um, construction yeti he has a really great newsletter called construction curiosities that comes out weekly um, he also has a great following on Instagram, um, he'll talk to you about, and then I have Jonathan, uh, core coming on and he does strictly social media. We have a lot of overlap, but, um, I love his posts. I've been talking to him and following him for quite a while and he's pretty dead on with some of his social strategies. So he'll tell you about that. And then I think I'll cover some out of the box marketing strategies that I've seen and, you know, where the construction industry is headed for this next year. So we're, we're excited for that one. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Good. 
Uh, yeah, next week, if, if, uh, if this week was um, me doing a lot of talking, next week will be you doing a lot of talking, Stacey. Oh my <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one. Focus. Yeah. We're all talkers. We're marketing professionals. So. I'll, be, I'll be taking notes. Uh, <laughs> okay. No doubt about it. All right. Well, th thank you for helping me to roll with this today, Stacey. I was, uh, I, I was um, glad to actually be able to uh, hopefully add value in the in the in the uh, intended content uh, that we had planned. So, um, you know, thank you for uh, uh, you know helping to interview me through that process. Sure. That was kind of you. I'll follow up with Scott and I'll see if we can do some tips in the recap of this and figure out what we missed. So you can check out for an email for that and. Hopefully we can get him rescheduled. Um, yeah, this is an important discussion. So it is. All right. Well, all, all the best, Stacey. Have a great week. We'll see you next right. week. So see ya. See y'all.